As we, as we begin our time here together this morning, I want to remind you of a passage of Scripture that is a familiar passage, but, but one we, we don't often think about. It comes in the book of, of John, and, and it is the eyewitness account of Jesus' death on the cross. And I wonder if, if you can promise me that you will reopen your eyes. I'm actually going to ask you to close them for a moment. Because I really want you to picture this scene that's taking place. So close your eyes and picture this scene. We have Jesus hanging on the cross. In fact, it's the final moments of his life. He, he, he doesn't have long. And we see his mother and his aunt are standing close by. and They're, they're crying. And on the other side, we see this group of soldiers that were responsible for hanging Jesus on the cross. Now they are laughing and gambling actually for his clothes. They're, they're throwing dice. And we see the crowd, it's growing larger and larger. Now, would you allow your senses, your five senses, to just be in this picture? And John chapter 19, verse 28 says this. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When he had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Okay, now open your eyes. I'm curious, as you kind of put yourself into that picture for just a moment, I mean, think to yourself this. What are some of the things you could see in this picture? Could you see the crowd? Could you see Mary off on the side crying? Could, could you see the soldiers I wonder what the expression on Jesus' face was. Could you see that? Was the expression on his face one of pain? Was it one of maybe concern for his mom? Was it relief? What, what, what did he look like? I wonder what you could hear in this picture. What could you hear? Could you hear the crowd? Was the crowd being quiet during this or were they loud? Could you hear the soldiers laughing? Could you hear his mom crying? I wonder if you could hear the labored breathing from Jesus as he attempted to speak his last words. What could you hear in this picture? What, what, what could you smell? Now I know for me, as I... As I kind of did this exercise, I imagine the day to be hot and I could smell the body odor of the people in the crowd surrounding me. I wonder what... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. <laughs> Oh, moving on. I wonder what you could taste. Could you, could you taste that dry mouth, the blood in the back of your throat? Could you taste the sour wine that they held up to Jesus' lips, that cheap wine that the soldiers had? I wonder what you could feel in this picture. In fact, I don't, even, I don't even think I want to think about that or 
even try to feel what's happening in this picture. This is such a sobering picture of the reality of what's happening at Jesus' crucifixion. And, and it's good to not just remember this picture, not just once a month when we have communion together. It's good to remember, not just remember this picture, that moment that we first believed and gave our lives to Jesus. It's important to remember this picture over and over again as we strive to follow Jesus throughout our lives. And so as we begin Galatians chapter 3 today, Paul has some things to say about this picture. And so if you open your Bibles, Galatians chapter 3, we have some Bibles in the back if you need to use one. Take one home if you don't have one. You can open your YouVersion app or your Dwell app on your phone for this, Galatians chapter 3. It's at the front of this chapter here that we see Paul's frustration with the Galatians is growing. In fact, he's pretty irritated about it. He doesn't hold back much because this is how he begins. In verse 1, he says this, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. These are strong words from Paul. In fact, some translations actually believe Paul to be calling these people idiots at this point. He's not happy. And he lets them know. And I wondered why. Why is Paul so salty with them? Well, he tells us, he says, it's like these people you had once believed. You had once seen this picture. You had put your faith in Jesus. It was like he died right in front of you. You were there. It was like you had heard him say those words with your own ears. It is finished. It's, it's, it's you were there, but now you, you've gone away. He said, you, you've forgotten this. You've it ceased to have an impact in your life. And Paul was harsh with them in this moment because he knew the danger that happens when we forget. And the same danger is true for you and I. It's dangerous because we are saved from sin's debt. We are saved from that penalty of sin, those attitudes of our hearts. We are saved from that the moment we first believe through the finished work of Jesus Christ's work on the cross. We are saved, but it doesn't end there. It's dangerous to forget because even though our sin debt has been paid, the damaging effects of sin in our life are still very present. There is damage below the surface in our lives that keep us from being able to really live out the Christian life or that life that Jesus came to give us, that life that we should be lived to the fullest. We, there's something in the way. And so we are free from sin's debt the moment we believe, but we're not able to live with true freedom. This is why, this is why if you've given your life to following Jesus Christ in this room, you know this. We still struggle with relationships. We still struggle with finding peace. We still struggle with satisfaction. We still struggle to find joy in our lives because we have been released from sin's debt, but now we also need to be released from sin's power. And so Paul goes on in the next verse to say this. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? And then he answers it. Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. You see, 
this is the first time Paul mentions the Holy Spirit by name in this letter to the Galatians, but it, it, we're going to see that come up as a common theme throughout the rest of the chapters. But here's the question Paul asks. He says, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, he said, look, it wasn't through obeying the law. It wasn't through following the rules. It wasn't through doing the right thing. It wasn't through being a good person. It wasn't through your church attendance. Those, that wasn't how you got received the Holy Spirit. He said it was through the work of Jesus. You see, when Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. He released his spirit to the Father. And when we cry out, I believe, we receive that spirit. Now, before we get too deep into the weeds, let me just um, clean up something here, because I know there's a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit, and this could be a whole message series, and I'm going to try to do it in 30 seconds, so bear with me. We see, we see God represented in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, all three God. And, and what we see is the power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential and necessary in the life of every single Christ follower. This isn't something that's scary, it's not mystical, it's not weird, it's not based on coincidences or, or, or circumstances. No, as we put our faith in Jesus Christ and continue to put our faith in Jesus Christ, then, then we continue to believe those words, it is finished, the power of the Holy Spirit is released in us to grow so that we can be courageous, so we can change, so that we can love, so that we can forgive, so that we can serve. It's a power essential to all of us as Christ followers and a power you possess. And so Paul goes on with another question, and this question kind of rattled me a little bit. See if you have the same response. He says this, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? And he answers it again, of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Now, I admit, when I read this, it kind of rattled me. And I wonder if you feel the same, because if you're like me at all, then we often have the tendency to think this way. We often have the tendency to go, thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of my sin. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of heaven. I love it. Now... I can get it from here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this life on my own. I'm going to live it my own way, in my own timing, on my own power, my own strength. I appreciate the gift of salvation, Lord. That is awesome, but I can take it from here. Your services will no longer be required. Now, when you hear that, you go, that sounds ridiculous, and it is. And yet we live that way. And in fact, this is dangerous to think this way. It's wrong. Paul tells us it's foolish to think this way. 
Because the words, it is finished, are not just words that we believe one time to gain forgiveness. They're words that we believe again and again to experience spiritual power in our lives. So let me say it like this. You feel free to write this down. The, The moment, the first time we believe those words, it is finished, we are released from the penalty of sin. As we continue to believe them, as we continue to believe them, released from its power. That's faith. That is faith. And in verse 6, Paul gives us an amazing example of this faith and what it looks like through the life of a man named Abraham. In fact, he quotes an Old Testament passage of Scripture found in Genesis chapter 15 when Paul says these words. He says, In the same way Abraham believed God, Abraham believed God. Now, if you have your Bible, circle those words, Abraham believed God. If you have your smartphone, highlight them. They're important. Abraham believed God. And God counted, circle or underline that word counted, that's an important word, counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, in this In this verse, it says Abraham believed God. Doesn't seem like such a big deal until we look at some of the history of what's going on here. What promise has God just made to Abraham? Well, God has just told Abraham that he's going to make a great nation out of him, and out of this nation is going to come forgiveness and salvation for the world, he says. To which Abraham has to be thinking, you're crazy. This is nuts. This can't happen. See, Abraham and his wife were old. They were past childbearing years. They couldn't conceive kids. So Abraham had to have been thinking, how is this possible that you are going to make us into a great nation? They can't even have kids. But it says Abraham believed God. He believed in this is faith. This is faith. And because of Abraham's continued belief in God, we see two things happen that are important. The first thing that happens in his belief is this, that God counted him as righteous. This is the word counted. Counted means the same as. So let me give you an example. Say you're writing a check. Millennials, that is a piece of paper your parents use to pay their bills once a month. You write a check No, it's not cash, but it's counted as money. It's the same as. Right? And so what it's saying here is that we see Abraham's belief and his faith in God counted him as righteous. That means his sin debt was removed. It was cleared. Incredible. But then there's a second thing that happens here as Abraham believed His broken body was given the ability to reproduce. I told you, Abraham and his wife were old. They couldn't, they they gave up on the possibility of having children. It wasn't in the cards for them. And God's promise, though, was to make him into a great nation. And that went against all human reasoning. It went against all human logic. This wasn't possible by human standards. And yet, Abraham believed God. And God gave them the ability to reproduce. 
See, the point Paul's trying to make here, and it's a good point, was that when we believe Jesus' statement from the cross, it is finished, our sin debt is removed. But as we continue to believe and place our faith in Jesus, God can and will do things in and through you that you never thought humanly possible. And I am living proof of that because I'm standing up here talking to you today. It doesn't seem possible. But with God it is. And so at the age of 99 and 90, Abraham and Sarah had a son. That son went on to father a great nation. From that nation, you know who came? Jesus. And Jesus gave forgiveness and salvation to the world, promise fulfilled, as Abraham believed. And then Paul asked this question, and I ask you today, In this story, what part did Abraham actually accomplish by his own strength? What part? I don't know. You could say, well, maybe Abraham started eating better. Maybe he uh, exercised more. Maybe he and Sarah got up in the morning and did yoga. Maybe Abraham started wearing boxers instead of briefs. I don't know. No, seriously, Abraham did nothing. It was all God. It's always all God. All Abraham did in this story was he believed God's promise and he kept believing it every single day. And if that's true, what Paul shared with the Galatians here, then I have to ask us this question. Why would we think that we could achieve spiritual life and freedom by our own strengths? I mean, we know it's not through the law. Paul, he cleared that up for us right away. If we started our spiritual life with Christ by believing, then do we really think that we can continue on in our own power and in our own strength? No, it's silly. It's silly. It is finished. It is finished. This marks just the beginning of our need to continue believing every single day. So I want to speak from my heart for just a moment because I want to try to save us all some problems. This is the kind of spiritual power you and I need in our lives. You know, this is the kind of spiritual power that we're often missing in our lives. A lot of us say we start this race, we put our faith and we believe in God and we start our race and then one lap into an eight lap race, we walk away and we forget We stop being overwhelmed by it is finished and we take things into our own hands. We take it into our own control and by our own efforts and you know exactly what happens when we do that. It falls apart. It falls apart. You and I need the spiritual power in our lives. We need it for our marriages. We need it for our singleness. We need it to overcome temptation. We need it to be drawn closer to God. We need the spiritual power to be witnesses at work. We need it to be good friends at school. We need the spiritual power to trust when things are uncertain. We need it to celebrate when things go well. We need it to find joy in the difficulties of life. We need it to rest. We need it to wake up in the morning, and we need it to take your very next breath. We need this power in our lives. So my challenge to you is when Jesus said, it is finished, don't just give, this doesn't just give you forgiveness from your past. It's how we gained power in the present and the future. So we can never forget, never 
Let's never cease to believe those words. See, the Galatians, they made a huge error here. They started in faith with it is finished, but then they thought they could grow and they thought that they could be perfected through their own efforts by upholding the law. And Paul says, you fools, foolish to believe such things. We cannot and we will not grow through the law. We grow only as the Holy Spirit's power is released in us and through the continued faith and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's it. That's it. So to be honest with you, we want the gospel to be easy, don't we? We wish it was, but it's not. It can't be. The gospel can't be easy because it's out of our control. It's not about what we did. It's all about what, what he did. The gospel message is not to love God and do your best because I got to be honest with you, y'all did your best and it wasn't good enough. That's why God had to send his best for us to do for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. I love this, this statement from J.D. Greer. He's a pastor and he, and he said this, there must be a time when you stop saying, oh my God, look at what I have to do for you. And you start saying, oh my God, look at what you have done for me. And it's from there, it's from there that the Holy Spirit's power is released. And that's where we will experience change. A change in perspective, a change in attitude, a change in your desires, a change in life. That is where freedom, true freedom, will be experienced. So let me button this all up. Here is your what does this mean for me today moment. This is what this means for you. This means that when you're struggling in your marriage, books are great, techniques are great, our marriage conference with focus on the family, awesome, calm, those are all great things. They're all great. However, the power to really change in marriage comes from the gospel. The power to really be an amazing husband or wife comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from, it is finished. If you're struggling as a parent in this room and you're not sure what to do, books are great, techniques are great, classes, awesome, do all of those things. They're important. However, I will tell you this, the power to change one more diaper blowout, the, the power to to get your kid back and forth to practice one more time, the power to navigate a broken heart of a teenage romance, those things are coming from the gospel. To be an amazing husband or, or excuse me, mother or father or grandparent, that is power that comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from it is finished. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with some sin in your life. In fact, that's all of us in this room. And if that's true, man, accountability groups are awesome. Some friends and trusted family members to come alongside you, yes, awesome. Use those things, they are good. However, the power to resist that 20-hour self-inflicted workday, the power to resist how you just wish you had your neighbor's boat, that power to resist those attitudes you have about family and friends and coworkers, the power to resist those things only comes from the gospel. The power to grow and find hope 
And freedom comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from it is finished. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Does this power demand perfection? No, 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 no. No, definitely not. In fact, we know because in Proverbs 24, it says a righteous man falls seven times. So it's not, this, this, our continued belief in the gospel isn't demonstrated by never falling. It's demonstrated by what you do when you fall. And here's what you do. You stop and you go back to where it all started. And where did it start? It started from where it was finished. Jesus said, it is finished. That is where we go back to every single time. That is where we go back to every single day because that is where we are going to experience power and freedom. So I'd love to pray for us. And then we're going to end our time singing one more song. I've asked Megan and the team to come back out and and do this. And so I would love to pray. Would you just stand with me as I pray and then we'll sing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your finished work on the cross. I thank you for the gospel. May we never forget it or push it aside. May it be fresh and new every single day. Lord, remind me when I fall that you are still standing. Remind me when I'm weak that Christ in me is strong. Remind me when I feel unrighteous that that Christ in me is still holy. I am as accepted in your sight as if I had never sinned a single time because of the finished work of Christ who has become my righteousness. It's counted. So my hope is built on nothing less, Lord. It's only by your, your blood and your righteousness that I have the power to get up. It's on you we stand, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you for the freedom found in those words. It is finished. Amen.